Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this is the 18th chapter of the Dhammapada, Malavaga, named Stamus, as restored by John to the Buddha's original focus and intent, ending ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. John's words. In the Malavaga, the Buddha teaches the importance of wholehearted engagement with his Dhamma. The Buddha taught the Dhamma to develop awakening, full human maturity, in this present life. Once the true nature of stress and suffering is understood, the underlying condition of ignorance is overcome by true wisdom. And the focus of this chapter <clears throat> is right effort. It's the part of the Eightfold Path where we develop skillful qualities and we abandon unskillful qualities. But it is an effort because this is a path. As it says in the Fourth Noble Truth, this is the path of practice leading to the end of stress. And without effort, it's merely a distraction or an intellectual pursuit. With effort, it becomes a real path, something you engage in. The Buddha's words. Aged like a withered leaf, death awaits. You are near your departure, yet you are unprepared for your journey. So he sets off in a pretty strong manner. Um, you need to have a reason to put this effort in. And the awareness that you don't have all the time in the world is important to have because it's just too easy to put things off, to really start putting that effort in. Once you're aware of the bony hand on your shoulder, um, this becomes uh, a little easier. But as you're younger, um, it seems far away. But you look around in the world and you know that uh, this can come at any time. You don't quite have as much time as you think. You are near your departure. You have just started. But you haven't really prepared for the journey. The Buddha's words. Be an island unto yourself, so says the wise sage. Engage in right effort and become wise. Become rid of all impurities and become stainless. Enter the abode of the awakened ones. Because it's only with right effort 
developing the skillful things on the path and abandoning the things that are unskillful on the path that we can become wise. The goal is wisdom. And these unskillful things are just impurities. Things that you need to become aware of. And once you become aware of them, you can make the effort to abandon them. The Buddha's words. Life is fleeting, and now, and you are now at the end. Death rules the ignorant. There is no rest along the way, yet you are unprepared for your journey. As in the first verse, it tells you that you don't have as much time as you may well think. Be an island unto yourself, so says the wise sage. Engage in right effort and become wise. Become rid of all impurities and become stainless. End the pain of birth and constant decay. End the pain of birth and constant decay. So birth by itself, you know, taking on this this life, this human life, has a measure of pain in it. It has a measure of suffering in it that just comes with it. And the constant decay is just your, your journey towards death. Uh, again, it's a reminder that time is short. And it's, it's not really until you, you have a good reason to practice that you finally start practicing. Moment by moment, one by one, a little at a time, the disciple removes impurities as a skilled smith removes dross from silver. And it is a day-to-day, hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute effort. And there is no rest on the way. This is, this is what you engage in. This is why we practice jhana. Because that gives us the concentration necessary to do this minute by minute. To realize minute by minute, this is what I'm doing. And this is why I'm doing this. And this is how I'm doing this. This is, this is how my practice is. The Buddha's words. Rust devours its own base, just as misdeeds devour the mind of fools. The, the effects of um, unskillful actions, of your, um, your lust, your greed, your ill will, all the things that we, we see in ourselves through the virtuous factors, through right speech and right action and right livelihood. <clears throat> they, they devour you. They, um, It's like a rot from the inside. Um, 
it has an effect on your on it has a a, a deep effect on your life and it, it basically it, it causes you stress and stress feeds everything and we know that just from medical science that that stress is the main reason for disease and you know, just like a an iron pillar standing there eventually rust will eat the base of it and it will fall and this way your life will will come to an end because stress will will get to you the buddhist words neglect destroys the home sloppiness destroys personal appearance Mindlessness destroys the guard. Non-repetition destroys the dharma. All these things are not taking care. Neglect, sloppiness, mindlessness. And then he ends with non-repetition destroys the dharma. And when you first come to this, when you first come to the Dharma, um, before you see that it's its beneficial effect on you, it can come over as oh, boring, you know, another list. You know, another repetition of the same thing we've heard again and again and again. But it is essential to have this repetition. A, to remind yourself constantly. And B, at every turn of the repetition, you get to see another fine detail of this, of this structure, of this magnificent thing that the Buddha has has constructed um, and just like you know, you know reading the truth of happiness for the sixth time damn it there's something in there that you thought you had already figured out and you didn't um, and the same thing with with um, Repeating, just repeatedly reading the suttas, um, especially as they're um, restored by, by John, um, because it takes away the distraction of, of later redactions and um, just it, it brings the, the, the intent of the suttas into real focus. And after a while, it, it becomes actually pleasurable to just read the same thing again. Because it sinks in just a little bit deeper. And there's another, another subtlety that you didn't see. And you get to see it from the perspective of a previous sutta that you have just read. The Buddha's words. Unchastity stains men and women. Miserliness stains the giver. Stains are always, are indeed always evil things. The word evil is used from time to time in the Dharma. You have to be careful with it because there is, the Buddha does not make that usual distinction of that there are good things in life and there are evil things in life. Things as are as they are. In his 
words, evil generally means unskillful or things that harm you, things that you do that harm with which you harm yourself. That is the evil that he recognizes. Evil as opposed to good, not so much. Skillful and unskillful, yes. The Buddha's worth. A worse stain than these is the stain of ignorance. Destroy this one stain and become stainless. In John's words, this last is the most fundamental teaching of the Buddha. He awakened to the profound understanding that it is ignorance of Four Noble Truths that results in all manner of confusion, deluded thinking, and ongoing disappointment and unsatisfactory experiences. So that is the worst stain, ignorance. It's worse than bad behavior, miserliness, mindlessness. In the end, it's the very fundamental ignorance that we don't understand why we have this experience of disappointment and dissatisfaction. The Buddha's words. Easy is it for fools stubborn as cows, backbiting, unrestrained, arrogant, and corrupt. Difficult is it for the truly humble one who seeks the stainless to be free of entanglements, unassuming, pure, and wise. Fools take lives, utter lies, steal, take another spouse, and are addicted to drink and drugs. They dig themselves up by the root here and now. In this last line, they dig themselves up by the root here and now, refers to the immediate effect of unskillful actions. It isn't that some later time you know, karma is going to smack you on the back of the head. The effects are immediate because the effects are in your mind. You set yourself up already as you are practicing this um, ill will or lust or greed you're getting ready for the next episode because your mind is already tainted at that, that way notice friends says the buddha evil is difficult to control do not let greed and wickedness bring you ongoing misery People respond to worldly events based on their mindfulness. Those upset by others' fortune cannot develop concentration. Those whose discontent has been destroyed completely will develop concentration. This last line is, is, you see it all around you, you see it in yourself. 
how you respond to the things around you. <clears throat> Depends on your, your lack of ignorance at this point. If you understand the Dharma a little bit, your response to the world is going to change. To be just, you know, this, the example of um, jealousy, you know, those upset by others' fortune, um, it's a distraction. But it's a very common distraction and um, but it gets in the way of of practice developing concentration while your mind rages on in a jealous manner is just impossible but here you see the the way that jhana works in the practice and the practice works for jhana. The Buddha's words, those whose discontent has been destroyed completely will develop concentration. Nothing burns hotter than lust. Nothing grips harder than hatred. Nothing entangles like delusion. Nothing continues ignorance like craving. Others' faults are obvious. One's own are difficult to see. The fool ignores their own faults <coughs> and can only see the faults of others. One of the translations speaks of um, winnowing others' faults. And if you've ever seen winnowing, um, it, it's an, a very ancient practice of um, uh, cleaning the, uh, when you have grain, there's chaff in there. And um, you, you have a basket, you toss up the, the cup, you know, stuff in the air and the chaff kind of floats away in the wind and, and the grain falls down. Uh, this is a really, um, a really nice um, picture that he, he paints here of, of, you know, throwing up others' faults, you know, for, for all to see, you know. Um, and, you know, in, in this case, you know, there nothing, nothing skillful happens here. You're just, you know, making a lot of mess. The Buddhist words. Always seeking others' faults, the fool's defilements grow. They are far from cessation. There is no hidden path or other understanding. Fools delight in the things of the world. Disciples are free of worldly entanglements. There is no hidden path or other understanding. All fabrications are impermanent. Awakened minds are stable. This is one of the lines that uh, has struck me right from the first time that I read it. Um, some of the translations um, use the line, um, there is no track in the sky. Um, and, uh, and this is what it means, there is no hidden path. As you are seeking and searching for things, you're always on the lookout for the secrets, for the hidden path. Um, and 
I spent many, many decades looking for the hidden paths, having been promised them. <clears throat> uh, and the Buddha has always said, I have given you everything that you need. I am not a teacher with a closed hand. Dharma is clear. It may be subtle and it may be um, somewhat complicated at times, but it is clear. There is nothing hidden in there. There is no need to go looking for secrets because there aren't any. Reality is simple. You can't see it because your mind is clouded by the impurities that this chapter speaks of. The fools that delight in the things of the world, the fabrications, Disciples are free of worldly entanglements and the awakened minds are stable. So keep these words with you. The Dhammapada is a wonderful collection of sayings to keep with you, to remind you of the Dharma, to remind you of the path that you are. Um, sometimes it even helps to just, just write them down, just the act of writing them down, <coughs> copying them. Um, sets them a little better in your mind. Um, it, it can be a little challenging to, to teach this because the, the Dhammapada is really a collection of, of things. Um, but they are, they're, a, they're a collection of, of vignettes of, of little pictures. Um, they can guide you along in your journey. Thank you. Um, so let's go online. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Rob. Thank you. Uh, this is great. Um, a great word, vignette. And, and the mm -hmm. one vignette that popped out to me was mindlessness will destroy the guard. Mm -hmm. Meaning the, the pivot of that is being mindful of the sixth sense base, right? Yes. And if you can, if you drop that mindfulness, it just floods back in and, and you know for me guarding that base helps to settle down the entanglements yeah. and it just you know becomes I guess easier and easier over time the more you develop that mindfulness and that concentration the more you've got a guard up at the gates mm -hmm. so, yeah. thank you thank you um, yes the mindfulness is 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 the key and and restraint at the gates is the key too. Um, the, that this is your this is your practice. Thank you, Jeff. Have you anything to add? Well, there's a, there's a lot in this one. I think. Mm. Um, 
beautiful metaphor, poetic metaphor, age like a withered leaf, death awaits. Right. That theme is repeated several times here. It has a lot of impact, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Especially when your hair goes gray. Yeah, you know, it's easy to, uh, it's easy, it gets easier and easier to see that. You know, the, the, Rama, is it the Kappa Sutta that talks about an island? Uh, the disciple is an island? Uh, an island unto yourself. That gets repeated in many suttas. Um, and it, yeah, that's one of the uh, the constant images that that the Buddha um, brings up. And, and yeah, I, it, it it seemed it seemed at first as though that was uh, more more like a call for isolation. But the more I thought about it, the more it's. It, it seems to be more a uh, exhortation to save yourself. Yes. By uh, abandoning ignorance and taking up the path again with right effort. Mm-hmm. That that's repeated several times as well. Yes, it is. Yes, that it it is. Um, there's there is a a couple of um, sides to this to this metaphor of, of uh, the island um, and it's um, it's helpful to to contemplate that um, it, it is not just uh, as you said it is not just isolation um, it, there's also a measure of, of self-sufficiency in there that, that you are the one who is doing this. Um, that nobody is going to do it for you. That's also part of that metaphor. And you'll find more probably too. Because um, he uses it quite often. And I, I believe it's, it is part of um, his last words as well. I don't have the exact text in front of me, but um, uh, he's, he's, the last word that he is that you work diligently for your own salvation. Right. And that's what we're referring to here. The, the metaphor of the island is also a metaphor for the quality of mind that we develop. In other words, we develop our own mind, and we disentangle ourselves from all the other minds in the world. That doesn't mean we're isolated. In fact, it's the only way that we can meet people is with our own mind. You know, just think about that. I have to be present with my mind and everything in my body before I can ever hope to be present with another human being. Although people like myself who live their whole lives never be present with other people. Uh, that's one of the things that the Buddha discovered. Uh, and the, the, the reference to uh, the dominant is for those who just suspect of dust in their eyes. Refers to the, this quality of mind that is individual. Uh, this isn't a salvific uh, religion that we're learning. We're learning to wake up, gain full human maturity as individuals. Uh, Ram referenced the bony hand on your shoulder as a good motivation. Uh, it's, 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 it's a great motivation, isn't it? It's the motivation that Buddha used over and over again, uh, reminding us that life is short, we only get one as far as the Dhamma is concerned. So let's take the Dhamma and awaken now, mm-hmm. not in the future. And uh, I've had that, uh, that bony hand on my shoulder a lot, uh, especially beginning about a year ago when I ended up in the hospital. So it caused me to think a little bit more about the end. And one of the things that I'm so, I've had an incredible life. I can tell you grand stories of amazing things that I've done. But the thing that is most important to me most important and significant relationship I've had and will ever have is with the Dhamma, because that gave me a relationship with myself that I've never had, and I didn't know that I was missing it. I'm so glad that I found it. That might sound self-centered, uh, but it's actually just the opposite, because uh, 
again, very gentle. So that's why, you know, I find this not to be a spiritual thing. It's a understanding thing. So thank you. Yes, and it's eminently practical. and David, it just reminds me that the time is now to engage wholeheartedly with the Dhamma and it's not meant to punish us or like David was saying, take two steps back. Um, but a lot of these metaphors were very poignant to me, because especially like the idea of rust, that our thoughts and our behaviors which become these <clears throat> patterns can be very corrosive, mm -hmm. like rust, you know, yeah. and just degrade away at your um, your life. So then I guess in a way, you know, rust is kind of a, I was a little confused because rust in a way is just a natural consequence of, you know, the environment and being in an environment and it's just a reaction that occurs, but I do like the metaphor, you know, that, and I understand mm -hmm. what he means now, and, but you're right, you really have to sit with the Dhamma and go back, reread, yep. write it down. Mm-hmm, yep. really, it, it truly helps to, to just write things down. It seems like an, an old-fashioned thing to do, but there is, um, it does a wonderful thing to your mind to just plain old copy it down. So mm -hmm. your 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 hands has touched it. Exactly. It sets it in your mind. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. To see the co the corrosiveness of your of your own unskillful actions, is is an important thing. Um, it because it's too easy to. Um, to tell yourself that. What you're doing is is actually very justified, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially when it comes to uh, to anger and, and all sorts of ill will. Uh, it's you know the first thing that you're going to do is say, "Oh, I had all the right to do this." Of course, you know, um, but there there's the corrosiveness of of, of things, and um, to be aware of that is is a good step. Thank you. In the corrosiveness of delusion. Uh huh. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, to look in the world. Think it's her fault. Uh huh. It's not my fault. Right. You know, the delusion that you—that's your support system, and that's where the dumb gives you clarity to say, "Oh, uh, mm -hmm. I was the one with the conceit that caused that lashing out," and that's that pause, and that's you know, those are just like tools that. You know, you wish you had when you were a 20-year-old. Because I, people say, well, maybe I was already at 20. You know what? It would have been a very helpful thing to get this when I was a young person. Yeah. And, uh, but, on the other hand, you needed the experience to look yeah. back on. Oof, stuff I've done. <laughs> Same. The stuff we've all done. Julia. Hello, Ron. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you, Ron, for the teaching. Um, I, I, I wrote a little thing, but I'll, I'll read this. It's easier to me than explaining it. Um, life unfolds in this environment of impermanence, and birth, aging, and death are all experiences of this impermanence. So recognizing or not recognizing or not understanding this impermanence that we're or surrounded by and part of allows for us to have stress and suffering and unhappiness will continue to develop. Mm -hmm. um, so thoughts that seek to establish and perpetuate this ego self will continue to create stress and unhappiness. And this is the island that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. By being an island, I was like looking at this, this uh, listening to the metaphor and 
an island is part of a mass of land, and so when it's separated, it's it's by itself, mm -hmm. isolated. It doesn't mean we have to isolate ourselves. It just means that our mind has to not attach itself to all these things in the phenomenal world, which causes us to have stress and suffering. Yeah. And so by detaching and pulling away and going within and, and, and practicing jhana and, and having this passion for all these things creates this calm, peaceful mind mm -hmm. that is capable of being stress-free stress right. and living in, the, in this, in this uh, world of impermanence and understanding it yeah. for what it is. That's and it, if, that's it, all. if it helps you when you're stepping on the on the pumpkin, uh, you're a step ahead. <laughs> that's right, exactly. That's right. <laughs> you want to remember my pumpkin story? That's right. That's right. But you know, it, this yes. this is the Dharma. It, it's, exactly. It's stepping on the pumpkin and and then seeing what your mind does with it. Exactly. Um, that's, that's right. Because it happens like this. Mm -hmm. It's you know and. and when I when I was reading this this thing it, 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 I mean this whole um, this whole thing that the, that the Buddha wrote is very beautiful but it's it's dependent origination mm -hmm. that's what it is but it's micro macro so the micro is our individual experiences all every day that we're always every second of the day is becoming further ignorant if we allow these things to oh. affect us like sticking your foot in the pumpkin mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, and then the macro, of course, is life, you know. Uh, if we continue clinging, well, probably we'll, we'll be attached to our aggregates and further, further continue ignorance someday. So hopefully we end it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Michael. Hi, uh, hi, Ron. Uh, Who's that new guy, John, online? He, is, he seems very knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, he's been around the block a few times. <laughs> he knows uh, the Buddha. <laughs> I like the idea of stainless. It's easy to cook on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Better than... Uh, exactly. Okay. The rusty pot. The rusty, <laughs> the rusty column. Stainless, okay? Okay, there's a couple of uh, things mentioned here that are lined up directly with stainless, okay? Being an island unto yourself, pure protection is another way of uh, experiencing stainless, okay? Mm. Again, uh, Julie just uh, described an island unto yourself, okay? Um, I also liked a word... Uh, John had used some time ago when we were talking uh, about the emptiness suttas and the wilderness, and actually had said mm. uh, non-corrupt. Okay, nature is non-corrupt. Right. That's what we strive for while practicing the Dhamma. Mm -hmm. So these things, non-corrupt, stainless, is mm -hmm. also purity. Okay. Right. Purity leads to pure protection. Right. Mm. So if we are in right view, okay? Uh, we won't be, be experiencing an attempt. Well, we're going, to, we're going to experience life as life occurs, but it's, never, it's not going to occur just the way we want it to occur. So obviously when it doesn't occur that way, then we're, we're stressing or we feel stressed, beginnings mm -hmm. of stress, and that could lead to other things unless we recognize it and use wise restraint at that point of contact. So, I'll just look at it like this, is to be aware of the present moment. Okay, for all, that's the only moment that we have to practice the Dhamma. We don't practice the Dhamma thinking about next month or last year or what happened two years ago or what may happen in the future. We practice it right here. Anytime we're anywhere else but in this moment, then we are not experiencing life fully. Mm -hmm. And as the Buddha had, uh, as uh, intention is. So, the whole idea with, the, with these concepts, and how do, you, how do you become an island unto yourself, or how do you become stainless, and how do you uh, experience pure protection, or, or 
being non-corrupt. You know, where what is the root of all this? The root of what has to be abandoned for all this? Mm -hmm. Desire, yeah. self-reference, right. all these it's things. Also, practicing. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. This isn't coming it just is. because I read off a piece of paper. The practice mm -hmm. is, the, is the, practice. the Dhamma. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, how do we get to there? So, it's deeply introspective. And when we say it's like, uh, once the true nature of stress and suffering is understood, mm -hmm. that right there, once the true nature of stress and suffering is understood, recognizing your own ignorance, recognizing your own self-reference, that's the true nature of stress and suffering. Mm -hmm. When we realize that, like, okay, how is this, if, when we can separate ourselves or see ourselves as not being attached to what is occurring, then we can recognize, we can recognize our own, our own suffering, I mean, our own, our own uh, ignorance, mm -hmm. okay? Which is an extremely difficult thing to do. You know, we go in and out of right and wrong, like David had mentioned earlier, we can do this. But to maintain that, like deeply, because it's so deeply introspective, okay, it comes right down to you had mentioned. Uh, I think it was the last class, Ram, or previous class. You, you had mentioned about like taking an extra ten minutes at lunchtime, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Now, there's like, sure, would it benefit you to take the extra ten minutes at lunchtime? Yes, it make me feel better about myself and more comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Is it the right action in that particular moment? Perhaps not really. Mm -hmm. But no one's going to know about it. But does that mean that it's still uh, not, you know not about right? It. You know about it. So see? That's a lot of people. Test. See? And a lot of people would think, oh no, it's okay. The boss isn't here. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, we can take an extra 30 minutes. But right. is, is that right action? Yeah. No, it's not. So we can get away with uh, like a lot of little you know, cheating on the Dhamma, if you, if, <laughs> but you're only cheating yourself on it. You know, okay. that's where the purity comes from. Is is 100 percent. And this is this is constant right, right effort. Yes, constant right. Constant effort. Right yes. effort. It's and, being you know, in right view. It's and it happens, right. and it is truly constant. And it, it and this is where the Dharma is practiced. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And um, you know, you don't know <clears throat> that you're on the path until the foot hits the pumpkin. <laughs> Dustin. Um, I only had a question. I think you almost answered it, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> how do we abandon like wrong view? Well, first you need to recognize it, that you are in wrong view. That what you are doing right now is not based on the Eightfold Path. And once you can once you truly recognize that, you can see that this is not in your best interest. And at that point, abandoning it becomes a whole lot easier. I'm not saying it's going to happen instantly, but you'll be on your way. Because you may not be able to abandon it now. But the next time it happens, the same awareness will happen. This is not in my best interest. This so like is you not were the saying, recognizing your own ignorance. Recognizing yeah. your own makes ignorance. You yeah. makes you aware of it. And again, and, they, and these are, again, minute by minute things. Yeah. Um, but as you practice, ease will set in. Yeah. What is, you know, at first instance, a a battle, you know, because you're still trying to um, justify what you're doing. Once you really truly realize that this is not in your best interest, this is ignorance, then it is much easier to do that. And it, it, it's, it's an additive process. And uh, as we've said many times, please be gentle with yourself. You're probably just it, apologizing a lot in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean that. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself and to others, because mm-hmm. you probably catch yourself and then uh-huh. you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And you're, you're <laughs> teaching during our retreat. Wrong view is not keeping in mind the Four Noble Truths. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's wrong view, as simple as it. Simple as that. It's not that simple. It's, it's not it's that not simple. simple. If you're going to say, if we're going to say, if we're going to talk about Four Noble Truths, okay? Mm-hmm. The Four Noble Truths, there's a lot there that there's, that's a process of Four Noble Truths. We're born into ignorance as a consequence of our existence. Mm-hmm. We know that desire is the cause of this pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. But like for these new guys here, it's good for them to understand like the way the Four Noble Truths play out so that they have an understanding of it. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, it, it is for the ignorance of Four Noble Truths, but uh, again, like I think, like an explanation is needed to help people, you know, gain that perspective of how of how this ignorance comes about. Oh, sure, so, it, it it does not happen instantly, but again, uh, that is also part of. Now you're talking right intent. Hmm. John. Yes, John. May I? Uh, yeah, Michael was hitting on something, but it. it we abandon wrong view by recognizing anything that is in contradiction to four noble truths. And so by saying that it's simple does not imply that it's easy, but it is simple because we are given a, we are given a, a very direct framework for doing just that. And all that we need to do, and I've, I've never seen anyone fail at this who wholeheartedly engaged in it, is just stay focused on what is presented as the eightfold path and integrate that. And in that way, anything that uh, cannot be reconciled within that path is a wrong view. And, it, and then it's very easy to abandon because you know it doesn't serve it. Mm-hmm. We can get lost in the complications of our own mind by, by uh, excluding things that we're not willing to bring to the Dhamma. And we tend to do that by um, uh, bringing in other ideas and trying to make them fit into the Dhamma rather than just engaging in the Eightfold Path, seeing what is contradictory to Four Noble Truths and abandoning that. So it is, it is the, the, the basic understanding of Four Noble Truths and applying that to our views that gives us the ability to recognize and abandon those wrong views. They simply don't, don't fit within this framework. And so that's the simplicity of it. It becomes difficult for, for individuals to engage in that, and that that difficulty is uh, is the, an individual practice. In other words, it might be easy for for one of us to recognize and abandon views that are ignorant of noble truth, and someone else it's not. That is just like the original sangha way. Remember, Saraputta and Moggallana came to the Buddha, and they awakened in two weeks. Ananda was with the Buddha every day of his life, and didn't awaken until a month after the Buddha passed. But he awakened. He, he worked through the process of recognizing and abandoning every wrong view that was contradictory to Four Noble Truths. And so the time frame doesn't matter, even though we're talking about, let's get to it. Let's get to it, but understand that it is a process. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> yes, the difference between simple and easy. <clears throat> I understand what David, yeah, simple mm-hmm. as in clear and concise. Uh-huh, correct. Just always roll back to it. That's what I mean by simple. It's just there's no other path. It's mm-hmm. just roll back to. Mm-hmm. It's like a default. You roll back mm-hmm. to that, and then you keep that in mind. It's not. It's not simple. Like oh, we're done. It's yeah. simple. Like don't go to the left when there's not the four noble truths. The four noble truth is like your base. Mm-hmm. So. And and they are by themselves. Simple. It's not a twenty-step process. It's there's very little in here. You know, it's all very basic, and it's all you know. You tend to hide it under you know your levels, your your layers of personality, but it's there in its simplicity. Welcome to. Um, you know, Ron, this was interesting. I read this before coming down here, mm-hmm. and I think I read one other interpretation of it on another website somewhere. Mm-hmm. I never thought you could find so many suttas on the internet. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and they say the similar concept, and then you come I come here and you start discussing it, you throw in some comments, and I'm like, I'm totally blown away by the idea. Or I've I've seen something I, I didn't my arrogant self, my ego self, I guess, thinks one thing and you realize another. And uh, being a newcomer to this, that, that was kind of interesting. Uh, you said something about, you know, put in the right effort. Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow's guaranteed to no one. Some of us are a little bit older, and so mm -hmm. we all live a nice, long, happy life. Some of us will get there sooner than later. And that's becoming more of a reality. And putting in the right effort is important. You can sometimes say, oh, I don't need to do that today. I'll just meditate mm -hmm. and whatever. Right. And then you mentioned something, or otherwise, if you don't engage in it fully, it's an intellectual exercise. Mm -hmm. yep. And <laughs> that, that kind of crossed my mind over the last two and a half months I've been doing this. And following this a bit, is, is this just an intellectual exercise? But then I also say to myself, I've never followed anything like this to this level in my life. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I don't bring any baggage from any other spiritual systems. Good or for bad, whatever it might yeah. be. So I say to myself, okay, I'm putting the right effort in, but uh, but a talk like this really helps to cement that a bit further. Mm -hmm. And what and then what I initially when I read this, I thought one thing, and I think no, you put in the right patient effort. Yeah. You uh -huh. recognize your cravings and your clingings, mm -hmm. which we all have, yeah. and you work to eliminate those. And that's spread throughout the sutta right. and, mm -hmm. and what we're doing. There's your right effort. Right. And uh, that's, that's what I got out of it. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. Good. Um, you know, th there, are, there are different ways to, to arrive in, in this room and, and you know, in, in the Zoom room. Um, for a lot of people, it's, it is an intellectual curiosity. Mm. Oh, look how, how cool this is. Uh, and for others, it's just... Um, what I used to call, you know, it's just pain. You finally want an answer to, you know, mm -hmm. you, want, you want some resolution in, in, in the pain in your life. Um, that's, that's a good motivation. Yes. Because this is, this is what, this is what's being promised here. That pain and stress, you know, has a cause. And you are the cause. Mm -hmm. So, consequently, you are the solution. Yeah. Welcome mm -hmm. to the Dharma. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. Uh, <clears throat> we will finish with the Karaniya Metta Sutta. Um, and as I like to say, at the beginning of that, this is a teaching from the Buddha to a group of monks that were having a hard time with their, with the beings around them. And they thought that they were keeping them from a proper practice. So they ran back to the Buddha and said, we can't do this. This is too hard. People around us are, are, are keeping us from our practice. And this is his answer. Take a breath. Settle down. The Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward, gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be, be at ease. This is his instruction. This is how you should approach your practice. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, 
whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any beings in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, freed from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.